0: friends, I'm Katie Brinkley, and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. This podcast is all about helping Colorado-based small business owners, entrepreneurs, realtors, and professionals discover the strategies and systems that take their marketing to all new heights. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to Rocky Mountain Marketing. I am so excited to have today's guest, Donovan Dreyer. He is going to really help all of us here in the Denver business space share his story because it's, it's pretty unique. And, and Donovan and I have had the opportunity to meet where else but on Clubhouse. I feel like that's where I'm finding a lot of my connections these days. And it's always exciting to find someone else that's here in the Colorado area. So Donovan, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Hey, thank you for having me, Katie. It's an honor.
0: Well, For those of you who are listening, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Donovan. He helps future leaders with lofty life goals who need more support and preparation to realize their full potential in the game of life. And I feel like that is something that we all can really use right now because I feel like the pandemic came, it happened, and everyone is ready to go out there with all cylinders firing. And I'm so glad that you're our guest today to kind of help us teach us all the different steps that you can use to live your life's potential, to live the best life you can. And like I said before, you and I had the opportunity to meet on Clubhouse of all places, but you're here in Colorado too. So I would love it if you introduced yourself a little bit for the audience. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, where you're located and, and how you got, got into this space.
1: Okay. Yeah. So thank you again. And, uh, I am, you know, basically I provide Lyft. So we'll circle back to that. But, uh, you know, speaking of Lyft, let's go back to my story, I guess, as being an aspiring pilot. And for me, it's in the late 80s and I'm trying to figure out what to do and I'm totally confused and I do an interest in inventory and I'm more confused. But one of the things that was listed was pilot. And I was like, that seems pretty cool. The other things were like chef, accountant, police officer, a bunch of random things that made me more confused. And so I did that. I went all the way through it. It took me four, not four years, but five to add on all the certificates and everything else and be ready to go. Um, But then I did an informational interview with a pilot. So now it's 1993. I'm sitting in Zingerman's Deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we're talking and he is just rabidly passionate about flying. I mean, he just loves the whole uh, idea of it and did some wild and crazy, pretty risky things to get make sure he gets his hours, like not getting enough sleep and flying anyway. So uh, all of that kind of just drew, drew me in as like how excited he was about what he was doing. But it was totally at the same time helping me see, oh, my gosh, this is not it for me. And wondering in that very moment, what is this thing for me that would be just as exciting for me? as flying is for him and i must find out so i pretty much instantly pivoted i had the good fortune of having already worked in my dad's business family business a little bit so i decided to keep doing that and do my soul searching and now we fast forward ahead to the late 90s when it dawned on both my wife and i that i needed to be helping people and working with people and then i was trying to figure out exactly what i did a number of different informational interviews before spending more money on education this time And I, and the combine shooting happened. And when that happened, I was still in Michigan and it really felt like a game changer in the game of life. As we're talking about the game of life already, you mentioned earlier, and it was a game changer that I felt, this is my mission. This is the thing that I'm really feeling the kind of passion I felt coming from that pilot in 1993. And I'm all in on this one. And I decided to do school counseling. And uh, fast forward 20 years on that, I did a lot of school counseling and I've been you know there for the innermost thoughts of teens, what they're going through, the feelings are going through, the emotions are going through. And I pretty much wanted to go into it to figure out, well, why did that happen? Why for the sake of fame or for the sake of like you know sticking it back to bullies or whatever the reason is that a school shooting would happen? I needed to figure it out personally. that was my mission. I did figure that out. you know along the way, there's a lot of kids that were, as they're sharing those deepest thoughts the the lot of kids that were suicidal over the years and so that was something i confronted quite a bit and it's uh you know it's unfortunately a super common thing and only getting more common that kids will have those thoughts so many 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 parents really are needing that outside mental health professional and the school counselor just keeps getting utilized more and more and more and if we fast forward all the way to today i feel like my focus now as a coach helps me help you as a parent, helps me help you as a teenager to really get that type of support that you need to really go after those lofty life goals and to really buffer the mental health and really strengthen the mental health and even optimize it to be as good as it possibly can be for individuals so that kids can truly take off into life. So my program is called Teen Takeoff and that's my specialty. So I had to wear a lot of hats I heard kind of everything under the sun that teenagers go through. And there is a couple of underserved populations. There's kids that are the future leaders that don't get enough lift. They don't get enough support from in this time of their life to really set up to be future leaders, to really set up to go after big life goals. So I like serving that population. I feel like the more I help them, the more that we can spread what I call contagious ease. So that's just where you know you do something great in the world with your sense of passion like that pilot had and like I now have and a sense of purpose because it's really needed in the world. And if you take that leadership role, if you take the initiative to solve a big world problem and to be on the forefront of making change like I am myself, then we're gonna have more and more of these leaders really step into their own and solve some of these societal problems that we have and mental health challenges we have and relationship problems that we have and we're going to have a better place. I believe the next generation could be the greatest generation of all time.
0: Wow, Donovan, that was great. And you know, as you were talking there, there's a lot of similarities that you and I have. I, I know that you know offline, you and I connected and and talked about uh, Michigan. And I'm a big Michigan fan, but I forgot about the pilot aspect of you know you wanted to be a pilot, and I had a short stint as a flight attendant. But that's a, another story for another day. But <laughs> It definitely is. I think that I don't understand this. And maybe, you know, I'm sure that this is something you talked about too at length. I don't understand why it, at 17, 18 years old, we need to try and figure out what we want to do for the rest of our lives. I mean, that's one of the things where I think a lot of people do end up doing things that they're kind of like, well, it's all right. It pays the bills, but it's not something that they're truly passionate about. And we end up in these careers that might not necessarily be the right fit for us. And you know, granted my position, my job as a social media strategist, it, this job didn't exist back when I was in high school or in college for that matter, but I've been able to craft my dream job as life has evolved. But I think that a lot of us get stuck into this circle of, well, I need to know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I have to go to this college because I want to do this or X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, what if you really don't?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's why a lot of people end up in the wrong fit, like I did. Is uh, you know, a lot, not a lot of people can pivot. I've worked with a lot of people. One of the one of the things I've been doing in the last couple of years is adding on some coaching for people in business. I think it's really important. You know, For me, what I've decided to do is to work for somebody under somebody's wing to really understand business more and more. And so in doing that, I've been serving people with their marketing and with their, their business goals. And so in working with these adults, a lot of them have this midlife crisis. And uh, there's some studies that say over 80% of the people have settled for the wrong fit. And it's just so hard to change. So once we get kind of stuck in something, it's really hard to get unstuck and make that commitment To say yes to change and so people not only end up in the wrong fit end up in the wrong spot they stay there and so ending up is sort of like passive and i think we can be way 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 more active and proactive about clarifying what to do first so i don't know what anybody's going to be doing 30 years from now with the with the new things that are coming up you've crafted something from out of the blue and uh seth godin's writing this manifesto called stop stealing dreams and I love really Seth Godin. He is so good. He is. And we are going to be able to craft our thing like you have. We are going to be able to be linchpins instead of cogs. So maybe if it's 1921, we need to learn how to be a cog in the machine. And we can do that for the next 30 years, whatever we pick and, you know, we'll be fine. But these days, we don't even know if the whole industry is going to exist 30 years from now or five years from now. So being able to craft it, being able to be adaptive and willing to change. Uh, is super, super important. And if you get in the wrong fit or if you're not putting enough effort into it, the big X factor is coaching. So, I mean, I really found that the the grownups who do have the midlife crisis, the coaching does become that game changer. And then I thought, well, what the heck, I'm helping all these leaders who've got the midlife crisis reason to make a change what about the future leaders who are excited? You know, after the Parkland shooting, I saw some kids just say, you grownups are not doing enough for us and we don't trust you and we never will. We're going to do it on our own. But then the next day they're totally triggered. They're totally suffering from PTSD and they basically need that wise elder, that leader, that coach, maybe even outside of their family, because there's a you know a lot of objectivity coming from the inputs of a coach and the support of a coach. So we just need to be more active and more proactive about finding with total clarity, what we're going to do first might not be the last thing we do. And we might not do it for 30 years, but let's really work hard to not just assume it'll all work out by we just randomly go to college and randomly pick majors and change them. And we'll magically end up in the right spot. So those are my thoughts there.
0: Yeah. And you know, Donovan, I think too, you know, I, I guessed on a lot of other podcasts. And one of the things I feel like I'm talking about consistently is, I've had my dream job three times now. And when you when I say that, a lot of people are like, wait, what? But they've all been the perfect job for me at that phase of my life. And I think that when you have an open mind to your career like that, it doesn't need to be forever. Because as you just said, who knows what life is going to be like in 30 years? 30 years ago, a social media strategist didn't exist because social media didn't exist. What's yet to come? We can't plan our entire lives about what we're gonna be um, when we're 17, 18 years old. I also loved how you shared the a lot of the kids that you work with and uh, you know, how they okay, well, we don't trust you anymore. We're going to craft our own futures. But, you know, then there are things that come up. And one of the things it and this is hard for me because social media is my job, but I know that with social media, it is 100% a double-edged sword. It can be so helpful and instrumental for you and your business. But when used incorrectly, social media is a very dangerous place. And I love how you, uh, you and I also talked about this offline, but how social media is, is almost like an online resume now, like how you have to make sure you're pushing out the right information on your social media accounts to make sure that you are putting the best foot forward for future job opportunities?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I call it resume 2.0. So, you know, there's one speaker that I saw speaking and I looked on his LinkedIn and he had 47 people and I knew he was making probably $47,000 for his speech. But I realized, oh, he could have that few on his social media in terms of a following because it's just word of mouth and he's well known. But in the future, it's going to be a a requirement that uh, people can get a pre impression of us on our resume 2.0. So what I mean by that is nobody needs to ask for our uh, LinkedIn to be turned in like a resume or a job application. Nobody needs to see what's on our Facebook or our Instagram or anywhere else uh, with our permission, we should actually be proactively putting things out there with intentionality and with some kind of theme or, or platform. And our kids can actually start having those conversations with my three daughters. I have these conversations all the time. About, you know, what do you care about? What matters to you? What would you want to say? What do you want to do about the world? And so they're never too young to at least spark these conversations. And, you know, maybe that's two minutes here and five minutes there, but, you know, that really adds up over time to be talking about what to put out there instead of just always telling them, don't put anything bad out there. So I think I have a very, um, you know, focus in on the, what we're going to do proactively. So when we're proactively with our resume 2.0, we should really think about what we do want to put out there and start to craft that. We can pivot and change that to something else any old time we want when we're young. So yeah, there's definitely dangers. And I think there's tons of people who uh, teach on that. And I'm always happy to collaborate with people that have something complimentary to what I'm doing. But I really focus in on crafting that resume 2.0 and figuring out what it is you do want to project out there to the world so that when they look you up, they get a pre-impression before any kind of interviews or even before any kind of contact with you.
0: Donovan, I love that because as you said, it's naive of us to think that that job recruiters and you know HR professionals are not looking at your social media accounts. And if you are pushing out that good first impression, you know, of different things that you resonate with, whether it's a charity or different things that you believe in, like it, it can be a great way for you to give that, I love that title, that, that term of pre-impression to a potential job, uh, to a job hirer or HR professional that you might be looking for someday. So I love that idea because like you said, we hear a lot of what not to post, but what should we post then? I mean, because it, it is such a social network. It's such a social tool now for so many kids today and, and adults. I mean, you know, we all, I, I don't know very many people who don't use some form of social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, or, or Reddit, or, you know, uh, Pinterest. I mean, it, it, there has to be at least some social platform that you're on in some capacity. And being cognizant of what you're pushing out there is essential.
1: Yeah, if it's 2025, it's not going to be just something that we all, you know, do a little bit here or there. It's going to be an expectation. So you're not going to be able to have those 47 followers and then people still believe that, uh, you know, if you're going to be doing a talk or some kind of service for them that you're worth five figures or six figures or seven figures. So people are definitely going to need to do that with more um, intentionality. And there is one called me. So that's Z, two E's, M, two E's dot com. That's basically set up for kids to um, set up for college or um, if they're going to do scholarship applications or just to kind of track their portfolio. My daughter's got her own Instagram that's got quite a few posts on it now. She's 17 and you can see the whole progression of her portfolio. So that's cool, too. It's not only what we're doing as an end result, but you can also see this cool progression on things like Zemi or if kids do post something of their craft, their art, their gifts that they have on social.
0: I love that. That's awesome. Now, you know, kind of going from kids being on social media and and posting proactively with that pre-impression, you know, I think that that is one of the things, too, that a lot of, we think, like I was alluding to before, we think that when we're 18, 19, 20 years old, we need to have it all figured out as to what we want to do for the rest of our lives. What do you kind of, how do you help with a lot of your clients and students with figuring out what the right path is for them. Like, do you have a, like a, a personality map or like a life map that you help them navigate which what path is the right way for them to go with their career?
1: Yeah, I, I have visuals for two gigantic life questions. One is, how are you? And so we'll talk about that one in a minute because I think we had that on the docket to talk about. And the other one is, who are you? And so the who are you, to me, answering all those questions back in the 80s, made me more confused and I definitely see when I watch kids take the ACT when I'm proctoring, you know, in the past 2001 through 2018, watching those kids take the ACT, a part of the ACT had a personality inventory. And it's like, they can't focus on that. They just Christmas tree it. Even the A plus kid is Christmas treeing and just making a pretty pattern on the the circles with the interest inventory because they can't put focus on that when they're being tested for college entrance. So, you know, a lot of these things are overly complex. I've developed a system that's just I hate acronyms, really, when they are like just doled out in gobs and bunches in in the schools. But I created one called PAID. And so PAID just distills down to if there's going to be a career invented in 2030, these four letters will cover it. So these four letters stand for the four main ingredients that any career is made up of. So there are elements of P, which is the people person, elements of A, which is active person, elements of I, which is ideas person. So every one of these has a scale, like we can think about a small amount of this ingredient or a ton of this ingredient, depending on the type of person we are. So we've got people active ideas. And the last one is a data person. So that's what all of these interest inventories all kind of boil down to when you think about matching up a personality to a career. So that's what I help kids do. I help them put those four in order. Um, one of my daughters is an iPad, another one's an IPTA, another one's an APID. <laughs> so the fun thing with the consonants <laughs> and uh, vowels is like they spell stuff out too and it becomes ridiculously easy, not only to figure it out, but then to have fun sharing it with somebody. I actually have magnets that I've made out of it on the refrigerator. And it's a way that we can say, hey, I do answer that question. Who am I as a teen? And I can tell you mom or I can tell you uncle or whoever it is in their lives They actually have a ridiculously simple system that takes me it is a mini course that i've created that's like 38 minutes long and many 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 teens are better able to express who they are than a lot of grown-ups i know
0: all right well let's get in i love that but the who are you now you've piqued my interest with the how
1: okay yeah the how are you i've invented a traffic light so we go from state to state to state to state and every intersection is going to have green yellow and red and whether or not we can speak english In any state we're driving through that doesn't matter the language is the visual language of the lights at the intersection so we need to know what those mean and everybody on the roads needs to know what those mean to keep everybody safe so i just decided there needs to be a universal language for mental health as well because mindfulness and self-awareness like what the heck is that stuff for me it's got to be just like the intersections i want to keep kids safe first and i want them to thrive after that second and this system Really helps with that. So this you know, to be honest, this was a super tragic story. Just like personally, too, as a school counselor, you're part of a community that you serve. And so when something happens to to one of the kids in the community, you're the helper. like everybody's looking to you as the helper. But the tough thing is it also impacts you. So this kind of tragedy dominated me for longer than than I realized, but there was a time when we had three suicides in a two-week span uh, at the school I was working at. And one of the moms came to me and she said, we had yellow ribbon come and they, they help us turn in a card if we're feeling suicidal. But she said, I wanted to know, first of all, and it's too late. But if I did know, I wouldn't want my son turning in a card at the last second. Is there any way we can get any kind of early warning detection before it's too late? And I started with a numbering system, but you could imagine if everybody decided whatever number they feel like going on and all we had at the intersections was lights with numbers and it was open to interpretation, it wouldn't work. And the same thing was true with the Likert scale of how you are doing on a scale of one to 10. So when I created the traffic light, it really evolved out of a bunch of conversations with kids that there's really just three levels when it comes to all the emojis in the world, all the emotions in the world, all of the stress possibilities, There's really just three levels. And so this is why I attached each one of them with a color of the light is because if you're in the green, you know, how you're doing is something you can handle it on your own. It's self-help is going to help how you're doing with a green level of stress. And if how you are is, is worse than that, and your stress is higher and it's tougher than you can handle on your own. Well, that's why you're actually in the yellow level, but somebody in your everyday life could probably help you out with that stuff. But if it's beyond you, plus it's beyond people in your everyday life, now you need the mental health professional. So that's the final type of help that matches up with the red zone. So when we see those quote unquote red flags in life, now we know exactly what to do. We got to get our kids, even if I'm a dad counselor, I would need to get my kids in the hand of a mental health professional because I'm not objective as the dad, even though I would kind of fit the category. We got to get that mental health professional in the red zone so that we don't miss the red flags and we don't you know, end up having it be too late like it was for those three kids. But the early detection is there is a defined yellow and there is a defined green. And this also helps with what not to do. We don't need to hover if they're in the green zone. They're improving their EQ, their emotional intelligence, their coping skills by working it out on their own. And we don't need to jump in as parents and referee every little thing between siblings in the yellow zone they're gonna be able to conflict resolve together. Like they're in the everyday life working those conflict resolution skills in the middle yellow level. So it really helps us not only know exactly what to do based on what level somebody's at, it also helps us figure out what not to do. And uh, yeah, that's the system I devised in response to mom's plea.
0: Wow, that is awesome. You have a lot going on, uh, Donovan. And I think that, the stoplight is is absolutely the one i think is it's very impactful and and it's true i think that the the green yellow and red i mean that's very simple of where are you on your help right now like what how are you doing and i i think it is a great three different levels to to use so yeah it kind of kind of left me speechless because it it's it's something that i think it's you know i i totally appreciate that there's so much more attention being made to mental health these days. And I think that it's something that we are starting to talk about more openly, which makes me very appreciative. But I think that it's it's still difficult for people to, to say, I need help. And whether they are a high school kid, uh, an elementary school kid, or if they're a grown adult, because an entrepreneur, a business person that's just overwhelmed do you need to have those different green, yellow, red? Where are you? How are you with with everything? And I think that is a great, great system. So
1: um, it was a breakthrough for me. I mean, this is, you know, for me, I think this is a significant breakthrough for the world of mental health. Uh, The proof was I just got this random idea the day I presented to the American School Counselor Association National Conference because there were people like yucking it up a little bit about Teenagers not giving, you know, full answers and one syllable this and one syllable that. And I was like, I'm going to do a challenge of Bringing up five school counselors. They're all going to make their chart because there's a time element to this too. How are you now? How are you a little bit before that? How are you a little bit before that? Because that shows the pattern is their stress getting worse, staying the same or getting better. So I had five counselors come up. They all charted it with a with an erasable marker on my chart. And uh, one of them had rising stress in the middle of July in New Orleans, everybody else was chill and having fun. And I was like, okay, we got time for one share out because I played to the audience. And everybody points to the one person. I was like, all right, I just want to, you know, help you realize we just triaged mental health that's totally invisible. And they didn't use a single word to tell us how they're feeling. But we know exactly which person to talk to first. So that's the power of this. You know, there is a stigma around saying I need help. There is a stigma around, you know, can we hand in a card? But if I have people just point at three spots or put a marker on three spots, I know exactly what I need to do or not do based on what's right there in front of both of our sets of eyes. So it is a pretty significant breakthrough for mental health and you're right. This is the one that I really need to keep pushing out there. And finally, there's a lot of receptivity after the pandemic. Uh, because it's been an uphill push,
0: I imagine. I imagine, and I think that the conversation definitely, you know, shifted here at the, at the end. But I think that this is—it's something that's really important to talk about and to realize that, you know, the pandemic. A lot of us were alone. A lot of, you know, and and we missed the having that outreach, just talking to a stranger, you know, on the street and and overhearing someone's conversation at the coffee shop, all that stuff was missed. And now that the world is, is opening up again, uh, at least the United States is opening up again. It's a lot of people are, might be having a hard time adjusting back to that life. And I think that this is absolutely something that that needs to be shared and embraced, because it's, it's a way for us to really kind of communicate, how are you doing? Green, yellow, red. So Donovan, this has been an awesome conversation. It went by really fast, but I'd love it if people could get in touch with you. What is the best way for people to connect with you if they want to learn more about you and what you do?
1: Well, just like I preached to the kids, I got pre-impressions all over social media. So you can probably pick me up pretty easily there on uh, Instagram or LinkedIn. And then also within just the emailing me. You know, I just reach out through email to Donovan at getreadycoaching.com Uh that'd probably be the place I check the most, but all the social, I'm pretty active there too, because I I do believe this is uh not just the wave of the present, but it is not going away. There's just going to be more of an expectation to make that pre-impression and to have something out there proactively. So certainly reach out to me in any one of those places. I do feel like this is something that Uh, you know, if we're looking at the Denver business space, people certainly could be having this conversation at the, you know, at the office too, like, how are you doing? And actually have a way to learn to gauge that in a way that gives us total clarity like never before.
0: Well, Donovan, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you and all your time.
1: Well, thank you. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Happy to come back anytime and dive a little deeper and take it in a you know similar, but uh, maybe slightly different direction if you're open to that in the future. But it was a total pleasure and an honor to, to be here today. And thank you for helping me get the word out.
0: It was so great having Donovan join us today on this episode. You know, one of the biggest takeaways that I think we all should keep in mind is Paying attention to, to our own stoplights. Where are we at with our journey? Because man, I know as an entrepreneur, sometimes it can be stressful and it can seem overwhelming, especially when you are just getting started and you're building out your team. I know that there's been times where I've had to step away and I don't, I don't want to post anything on social media. I don't want to send out that email and it can be hard, but you have to take a step back. Look at where you are at with your mental health. And Donovan was such a great guest and, and with sharing the stoplight analogy, you know, green, you're good. You've got it on your own. Yellow, you know, you can use a little bit of help and, and, and the red. Someone needs to step in and intervene. So. A big, huge thank you to Donovan for joining us today. And you know, take a step back. think about where you are with with your journey. Where are you on your business journey? Are you agreeing? and And if you're not, is it time to take a step back and ask friends or family for some help and for some support? so much for listening to this episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website at www.nextstepsocialcommunications.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn or check me out on Instagram. Let's keep taking your marketing to new heights.